Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We're going to start a new series today. It's a new day. It's a new series. You know, we were on a series called Red Letter for, you know, a couple months. That was great. And uh, kept thinking it was going to end. Kept thinking that. And then I'd get into studying and, oh, we'll get another one here. But today is a new day. We're going to start a new series. We call it Bought Back. And uh, there you go. You can check out the artwork. Praise the Lord. Great. So what are we talking about? Let's just turn to Hebrews 12 as we get into this this morning. Hebrews 12, verse 1. And uh, the writer here says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Number two, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest he become weary and discouraged in your souls. And why I wanted to read that is, you know, we're going to talk about bought back. We're going to talk about what Jesus has done for us. We're going to talk about, you know, the position that he's put us in. We're going to talk about our covenant with him. And in, in talking about all these things, one thing to, to bear in mind is this. You're the reason. You're the reason that he endured such shame. He, you're the reason he endured such torment. You are the joy that was set before him. And I think it's important to, to see that perspective as we delve into this, this new series. You know, God's love for you is the motivator, okay? You're important. You're important. Now, I say that to you, but, but take that, you know, the other way, too, that when you get out into, you know, outside of the doors of the church, people out there are important to God. People that you deal with every day are people that Jesus died for. People that Jesus had before him to, to give him encouragement, to give him motivation, to give him what he needed to go through what he did, they were the joy set before him as well. So, you know, when you're at the store and maybe you've had a long line and maybe the lady's crabby that's, that's waiting on you or the guy's crabby that's waiting on you, you know what? People have hard days sometimes, but man, just, just love on them. Love on them. Show them the love of Christ, and that is such power. You know, I hate the fact, this is totally off my subject, but I'll go there. I hate the fact that the love of God to some people sounds wimpy. But the truth is, it is so powerful. It gets in there. It releases God on the scene. It releases the power of God in people's lives. When people see and come in contact with the love of God, I'm telling you, the hardest people soften up. I, I remember one time... You were with me too, Pastor Stephen and I were over in South Minneapolis. We were working with Vern Norton. Remember that? And we went out witnessing, you know, do you ever do that? You ever just go out witnessing? I mean, I don't do that all the time. I'll be honest with you. But I, I like taking advantage of an opportunity like to just to go out and tell people about Christ. And, and I like it that it kind of gets me out of my bubble. And I remember going out there, man, you were a pretty new Christian. 
we just made you, we initiated you. And, and uh, we were over with, with Vern Norton over in South Minneapolis, and we just divided up into teams and went out to tell people the gospel. And you know, when you work with Vern, the one thing he'll tell you is this. He'll tell you, you're just going to go love on people. And somehow, I remember the first time I ever did that with Vern, you know, it, it just, it, it, it took down all my guard. It, it's, I said, wow, I don't have to be all nerved up about this. All I'm going to do is go love people. So we're over in South Minneapolis, and I've got my little group of people, like two, I think I had two other people with me, and we're walking down the street, and what do I see? I see this gang, you know, this guy that he looked like, he looked tough. He looked like I didn't want to go talk to him. He looked like I wanted to run the other way. But, you know, you're out there. You're out there, and you're, you're doing your mission. So I just walked up to the man. I said, man, can, listen, can I tell you about God's love for you? You are a treasure to God. You're a treasure to God. He loves you. You know this hard-looking guy? He looked at me. He still looked hard for a second. But all of a sudden, everything just kind of dropped on him. All his guard dropped, and he says, wow, thanks for telling me that. I'm telling you what, everybody craves to know that God loves them, that, that God is for them. And, and this is, this is what, what Jesus had going through what he, you know, we're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating, I guess today is Palm Sunday. I am such, I'm, you know, you guys got to forgive me. You know, I don't do a lot of sermons around holidays, but I do an Easter sermon. I do that every year. That's probably the one I do every year. But, you know, people have come to me, oh, you know, well, hey, you know, it's this day, this holiday. You're going to preach on groundhogs today? Well, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't do that. Yeah, groundhogs. It's a holiday. Yeah, it's good. So, but, but you know, Easter's, Easter trumps them all. You know? It's Easter. Jesus rose from the dead telling you, man, the stuff he went through in the week that's coming up, you know, we, we, we celebrate this. The, the thing that kept him going was you, was you. He looked ahead. He could see people. He saw, he saw this joy set before him. Now, we're talking about being bought back, bought back. First um, Corinthians 15, 58. What a long chapter, huh? 58 verses there. The Apostle Paul here said something, and, and I'm just going to throw this out to you because this is what came to my heart as I'm thinking about the series we're going to delve into today. And, and what came to me is, is why, why are we doing a series called Bought Back? You know, we're, we're, of course, we're expressing the love of God, experiencing it here. But, but what Paul said here in this verse is so good. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what I would see in this series, what I would see is this, is that in our hearts, that they would, they would step into this place of being immovable, steadfast, secure in him. You know, we live in a crazy world. In this time and everything, and I, I say this all the time, you and I were born to live in the day that we live. It's no mistake that you're alive in whatever year this is. I'm telling you what, yeah, 2017, I'm telling you, uh, God, God has equipped you and I, he's equipped us to live in this day. I was made to live with an iPhone in my pocket. I'm telling you, 
<laughs> We're working on you. <laughs> My in-laws, I love them. They are, really, they are trailblazers. You know, uh, Grandpa, I mean, he was one of the first in the block to have a v VHS recorder, you know. I remember when I married Dana, I came to uh, meet the parents for the first time, you know that? And, and you know, I'd never met them, and I was already engaged to this, this woman here. And we come in, and, and, and Doug, he's got this big monstrous VHS recorder, and you know, and he's just a goofball sometimes, you know, and I didn't know all this about him, but, but he's sitting here filming everything, you know, and I'm like, wow, they've got record of me here, you know? <laughs> I hadn't even experienced, that was back in the day when if you wanted to watch a VHS, you know, like they have video stores and stuff, you actually went in and you rented the whole machine along with the tape because nobody had those things at home, but they had them, and we'd, we'd sit there anyway. <laughs> All right. So this, this is what Paul said. He said that you'd be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. You know what that speaks to me? It speaks somebody who's flourishing right here on planet Earth. God intends for you to flourish in this world. Not, not, you know, not just in maybe an earthly sense. Well, he wants you to prosper in all things. But I'm telling you, what Paul's talking about here is, is being kingdom-minded. And that your influence is increasing as you go on. I'm telling you, the longer you live, man, the more influence you ought to have. You know, you ought to reach out further and further. Your pasture increases. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Revelation 4.11. i got my, my trail. I'm walking it down pretty good today. I haven't deviated too much. Revelation 4.11. You know, I try to work with the, the media department. They, they always want a list of scriptures, and I mess them up so many times, you know, but they're good. They, they do a good job. Revelation 4.11. This is a tremendous verse. I just love the, the picture it paints in, in my heart here. He says this, he says, You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you've created all things. And I'm reading out of the King James Version here. And it says, And for your pleasure, <clears throat> and for your pleasure, they are and were created. For God's pleasure, they were created. So I read that, and what goes on in my mind and in my heart is I go back to the beginning. I go back to creation. I go back to where God, you know, created this world, you know, and, 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 and you know, the, the series that went on is, you know, he spoke things out and they came into existence and he created, he fashioned this world. And then the, the prize of the whole thing was, was, was he, he made a man, you know, he fashioned him out of the, the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. And he made a woman to be with that man. And, and I look at that, and I, I look at it in, in light of this verse, and, and I see this, that the reason that God created this world was for his man to live in, okay? And the reason that he created this man and this woman was for his pleasure. It was for his pleasure. You were created for God's pleasure. God had desires in him. He, 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 you know, he could do anything, you know? But he had, a, he had a desire, he had a desire for you and I, he had a desire for family. That's why you're created. God made you with purpose. He made you with purpose and you were made and designed for him. 
to bring him pleasure. And as we read on, you know, we haven't turned there, but if we were to read on from where I was elaborating from in Genesis, you know, we see little glimpses of what went on. We don't see, you know, sometimes I wish there was like a full story. Well, you know, on day one, this happened, you know, like a journal or something, you know. God, wouldn't that be great to find Adam's journal? <laughs> or maybe it'd be Eve's journal. If it was in my house, it would be Eve's journal. Dana's a good journaler. But, uh, you know, well, this day we did this. We named giraffes today, you know. And, we, 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 and then God came down and we hung out, drank Coca-Colas by the stream, man. It was good. <sighs> had some chocolate. Yeah. They think they invented Well, oh, we had chocolate back then. I'm telling you what, man. It was good. <sighs> See, uh, you know, and, and, but we get little glimpses of what happened. You know, and I like to look at the one glimpse we have where, where God came in the cool of the day to walk with his man and woman. And, and you know, oh, man, have we had some great days this weekend? It has been so terrific. You just want to be outside. I even had fun washing the windows the other day. I mean, that is next level. Whoa, you know. Even with the thought in mind, the farmer hasn't plowed his field yet or done any of the stuff he does. It makes dust everywhere. But I said, man, we're out here. We're outside. It's so good. God says, man, it's the cool of the day. What do you do in the cool? I like to go sit on the patio in the cool of the day, you know, just feel the breeze. Breeze feels so nice, you know. And God says, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to go enjoy it with my peeps. I'm going to go walk around with them. This was God's intention, God's intention for you and I. You know, the world that you and I live in today is not the world God created for his man and his woman, okay? This is not, don't judge this world and say, oh, this is all God had. No, I mean, there's beautiful things. Even in a fallen world, there's such beauty. You know, Dane and I went out to the West Coast last summer. We visited our kids in Portland. Man, some, we went to Colorado first to an Andrew Womack conference. But mountains, man, I wouldn't have even said I was much of a mountain person, you know. I'm not a mountain man, but, but, but you know, I'm an ocean person. I love the ocean, you know. But, man, you look at these mountains, and they're just so breathtakingly beautiful. And then, then we got up to Portland, and, and we, we went to this, I can never say the name of it, but this waterfall, Mountain Hottam or something, I don't know. Somebody who's been there knows it, but it was close. It was just fantastic. It's just like this double waterfall, and we're looking at it, and this looks like you're, you're stepping inside to a postcard. This is the fallen world. This is the fallen world. This isn't even the world God designed for you and I. This is the world as it is after the fall. Wow. What are we talking about? We're talking about being bought back. Bought back. We're talking about you are the prize. We're talking about what Jesus did for you and I. I just, man, as a, as a believer, I don't want to get to heaven someday and, and, and realize that I didn't take advantage of what Jesus did for me. I don't want to get there and find that, that I, I wasn't grateful even for what Jesus did. I want to appreciate even right here on the earth. I mean, we get to heaven. I, I mean, sheesh, I don't even know what it'll be like. Paul said he saw things that he couldn't put into words. You know, John did another step. He went to heaven on a, on, on, on a vision and went there and he experienced things. And he wrote some things down. And, and you read that book and you go, whoa, John, this is blowing my mind. I don't even know if I can handle this stuff. But I know the, it's a reality for us that one day we'll be there and, and, and we're going to probably look at it and go, wow, 
You know, that'll be the word. We'll be like, you know, it's that whole vision of the stereo speakers blowing in your hair, going back, and you're going, wow, this is so good. I want to do that now. As much as I can, I want to look at what Jesus did for me and his great love for me. And I want to appreciate it. I want to walk in it. I want to demonstrate it. You know, I want Holy Spirit to help and, 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 and uh, magnify Jesus. So you were created for his pleasure. Genesis 2, you know, if, we, if we, we're going to read on here in, in verse 15, I've got to read this. It says, Then God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat it you shall surely die. So verse 15, he says, I put him in the garden to, to tend it and keep it. Another, one, another version or another footnote in a Bible says to guard it and protect it. Some people think about the Garden of Eden and they think man didn't work. You know, uh, work's really not the curse. In fact, I don't know, I have a hard time sitting around for too long. Can you believe it? People on the camera, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, we're designed to work. We're designed to work, you know. I think, I think this, this is me. Can't probably prove it in the Bible, but I think we get to heaven, we'll have assignments. You know, at least as I look at it, I hope so. Man, you know, some people have dreamt about heaven. You're sitting around kind of like, you know, fat little babies on a cloud. Isn't that the picture, you know? With some kind of a swaddling cloth or something. I don't know. Swaddling. What a word. Anyway, um... No, I don't think so. I think we're going to go out and we're going to be like, more. I, I have more of a vision like Star Trek. We're out exploring the universe, you know, taking on new stuff and exploring things. I don't know, whatever. That's kind of what I think anyway. But, you know, God gave Adam, he gave him jobs. He said, guard this, protect it. You know, he just didn't say, go take a nap. Go lay in that hammock over there. Not that hammocks are bad. I love a hammock. <laughs> hammocks, they rock. They're, they rule. But, you know, he gave them jobs. He'll give us assignments. Even here on this earth. Hey, why wait till heaven? God will give you an assignment here on earth. And he has given you assignments. You know, listen to them. Hear them. You know, uh, make a practice. If nothing else, lay, lay in bed at night before you go to sleep. And just think about God. Talk to him. Be quiet, quiet enough you know, that you can hear them. You know, I, I, I do that every night. I'd make that practice, you know, because Dana's sound asleep already. She goes to bed quick, and she gets up early, much earlier than me. It's a, I don't know if it's an Urbeck thing or a Peterson thing, but anyway, it's a Peterson thing, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, she's an early riser. But I like to just, when Dana's laying there, you know, uh, sleeping, I just like to think about God. Talk to him. Talk to Holy Spirit. Tell him to make things, ask him, make things real to me. Show me, you know, my assignment. Show me, show me what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. And sometimes he just, some things come to me so clear, you know. The next day, I, I remember this week even, one day I, I woke up and, and something he'd been talking to me about, he just made really clear to me. I get up and I said, well, I'm going to do that today, you know. And, and, you know, you go out to do it. You don't always feel as anointed as you do when you're sitting there, listening to <laughs> you come in contact with you know earth me you know? <laughs> and but you know what then I, I you got to just pull yourself up and go no hey you hear him talking to you I'm going to go out and do it 
You know, that has been my theme this year. I, I, I almost feel like we should do a series on that sometime. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. I feel like I'm stealing from Nike, but I think they got it from Holy Spirit, though, so it's probably <laughs> what happened. Anyway, all right, so where are we at? So, so of course, he gave him this, you know, this, this thing. He gave this truth to, to Adam, you know, uh, call it what you will. God just spoke the truth to Adam. He says, man, don't eat of this fruit. Don't eat of this fruit. The day you eat it, you'll surely die. You know, uh, so much is in those few words that are, are written in, in Genesis chapter 2 there. The day you eat it, you'll surely die. You know, what did that even mean to a man like Adam and Eve, or a woman like Eve? You know, what did that mean? They had no concept. They, they, didn't, they didn't realize death. You know, what is that? But, you know, we can look back at it, and, and, and we, we have a different viewpoint probably. Uh, but, but, you know, one thing it meant is this, that, that you know, things weren't going to be the same. Things weren't going to be the same if you ate of that fruit. Things were going to change. Say people don't like change. Well, this is one change that we shouldn't like, okay? This, was a, this is maybe why people don't like change, because right there when there was two bites of an apple, everything changed, you know? Maybe that's part of us that goes, ugh, I'm not going to change. They're telling me to upgrade, update, all that stuff. I'm not going to do it. No. Well, you know what? We live in a world of change, and, and, you know, we just need to go with it. Genesis 5, 5, um, just as a note here, Talking about the change here, it says that, that all the days of Adam, he lived for 930 years, and then he died. This was after the bites of the apple, okay? So when Adam bit of that apple, when Adam disobeyed God, when he ate the forbidden fruit, it says that he lived still another 900-some years, 930, whatever it was, years. He didn't die the way most people think of dying the day he ate the fruit. But something about Adam died that day. It, I've read this, that in the actual Hebrew, uh, the words there where it says, in that day you'll die, it says, in dying, you shall die. Breaking the word out. In dying, you shall die. So in other words, there was a death that happened when Adam ate of the fruit, and that death led to another death. And the, the one that it led to is probably what we're more familiar with, which, which is physical death. But the day Adam ate of that fruit, something in him was not the same. You know, his body didn't die. I would say this. The real Adam, the man on the inside, took on a change. He died. What are we talking about? We're talking about being bought back. Being bought back. While we're there, look over at Genesis chapter 3. We'll just read the account. Being bought, I didn't know I need to be bought back. Well, we're finding out all kinds of things today. You know, the truth is that we all needed to be bought back. You know, and the truth is Jesus purchased us. Jesus paid the price for us. In Genesis 3, um, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but I do, I, 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 this always comes to me, so I, I will go with it. And, and really, what 
Adam and Eve lacked at this point in life was a true picture of God in this respect. They needed to know this, that God is 100% good. 100% good. Because not knowing that God is 100% good can allow space in your mind to question his intentions, okay? And, and so let me just paint this picture for you. You know, if Eve and Adam had known that God was 100% good, there'd have been no question about what am I missing by not eating this fruit, you know? But, but, but the, the question comes, man, maybe there's something being held back from me. Isn't that just a lie that, that comes to people even today? I used to walk around like that and think about if I ever, this was when I was a, not a Christian, I would always think about this. I'd think about what I would lose if I ever gave my heart to Christ. You know, that was the, the, the trouble of growing up, you know, in a, in a church family. It's a good thing to grow up in a church family, but for me, I was a rebellious guy, and I knew enough church to be dangerous. The trouble is, I didn't know enough God to be secure, okay? So, so what thought would come to me is everything I'd lose by being a Christian. And this is probably what Eve thought, too. The, tr the truth is, and what she didn't see, is what she gained by following God's plan. Because you and I can trust him. He knows how to satisfy the core of your being. He knows how to go into the places nobody even knows are there and give you life and give you life. It, to me, you know, before I was saved, it was always about, yeah, this is the image I had. If I ever got saved, you know, I'd probably, you know, go around singing hymns all day. I'd probably start like an accordion music. You know, and, and basically that, that my fun would be ruined. This is just me. This is back in the 70s, what I thought. Then I come in to become a Christian, and I realize the whole world opened up to me. I realize this, that God is real, that he talks to me. He, he walks with me, and that, that he's, he's like a power. He's a force, and, and I've come in contact with him. I realize this, that I'm loved by him, and that, that he made me, and he knows what makes me tick. He knows how to satisfy me like nothing else ever could. See, Eve must not have known that stuff somehow, because you know what? We're all learning. We're all growing, and I'm not knocking Eve. I'm not knocking Adam, because I could have done the same, and I would have done the same thing, I'm sure. It says, for God knows in the days you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like a God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took and ate of its fruit and she ate it. And she gave also to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Do you, do you recognize that? I mean, godly people used to scare me when I was not a Christian. You know, when, when my parents, you know, on a rare occasion, they would get me to go to church. And my parents went to a good church. And, and, and uh, I'd, I'd go in there. It was like all I, I could think about was how could I get out of here? And, and, you know, get away from all these people. They're all a bunch of God people, 
you know, let me out of here. I was, I was running as quick as I could. I'd go wait in the car for them to, uh, to come, come out of the church because they seemed like they were always the last ones to ever come out. <laughs> I'd go in there, I'd turn on the car, I'd flip on, you know, music and just kick back and oh, I endured that one. You know, that's what Adam and Eve did. They ran. They hid from the presence of God. Why? Because they felt naked. They felt guilty. They felt shame. They felt something they hadn't experienced before, which is part of the fallen nature. Okay? God's intention for you and I was never to feel guilt, never to feel shame, never to feel this inferiority thing that, that you know, grips people in their heart. So they hid from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And then God, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So let me give you a couple things that happened at the fall. One, it, it, it ruined God's original plan for creation. Two, it separated God and man. Three, it gave Satan the authority that God intended man to have. Four, it put humans in bondage to the devil. And five, it put a curse on the animal and vegetable kingdom. Okay? I like to throw that in. It put a curse on the animal and vegetable kingdom. You know, all these little bugs and things that we try to kill and all that, they probably weren't creepy things back before the fall. You know, I, I, Dan and I were on a walk this week, I think. We're out, I mean, we have this big cornfield or soybean field, whatever the farmer decides this year he's going to plant, that we walk through, you know, and go to the highway. And we were, we were walking through that thing, and I, I, I tell you what, there was like a swarm of black bugs that started following us. And, and, you know, we're, all of a sudden we're sitting here talking. Then the next time we're going, both of us were afraid to open our mouths. Because there's just, you could literally see it. It was just like a black swarm of bugs that were just following us down the road. I felt like Pigpen from Charlie Brown comics or something, you know. And, oh, man, what's going on? But, but, you know, we'd turn around and go back into the neighborhood. And we got in the neighborhood. It was okay. But, you know, those things were not pesky things before the fall. They were probably really cool. You know, I don't know, maybe they even talked to you. I don't know. I'm making that up. I'm just, just saying. They could have. Who knows? I don't know that. But it could be. Huh? Five things again? Yeah, it ruined God's original plan for creation. It separated God and man. And it gave Satan the authority that God had given to man. It put humans in bondage to the devil. And it put a curse upon the animal and the vegetable kingdom. Okay, talking again about bought back, about bought back. And, and uh, let me go to this scripture. We'll see how far we're going to go today. I can see time is already talking to me. Uh, there's another thing, man. Time, goodness, you know, it's part of this, this world here. I, I don't think time is going to be a, a factor when we get to heaven, you know. Goodness, we'll just kind of hang and, you know, it won't matter that you're the last one to leave the church. You can just hang there for five days. If you count days, maybe it's years. Who knows what? Whatever. Or, or not. <laughs> Romans 5.12. I'm going to read this one out of the Cotton Patch Version. Talking about being bought back. What Jesus has done for us. Talking about our covenant. This is the Cotton Patch Version. You guys all have your Cotton Patch Version with you today? If not, there it is. Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan is the author. Cotton Patch Version is a version that's kind of a comical version. It's actually a translation, though. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just paraphrases. This guy was actually a, a Greek scholar, and he took the uh, translation that he had right out of the original Greek manuscripts, but he, 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 he did it in a way that was kind of comical and kind of southern, southern twang kind of stuff. 
So I'll read it off here. It says, all right, now it's like this. Through one man, Adam, sin got a toehold in the world. It's an all-star wrestling term. Then through sin, death got in, and that's how death infected the whole human race and why everybody sinned. So basically this, two men affected everybody, okay? Two men affected everybody. The first one, Adam. Adam, what he did affected every person ever born in the earth. You know, it, it put us into this, this spiral down that we talked about, the things that happened at the fall. And maybe there's six things that happened at the fall. I don't know. I just gave you five. But, uh, but anyway, Adam, what he did affected every man, okay? The last one is Jesus. And what Jesus did affected every man. What he did is make available to you God's plan of salvation, what he did is open the door for you and I to walk into this new place. You talk about change, talk about radical change. What Jesus did made possible a radical change for you and I to partake of today. This is the kind of update you want to do as quick as you can. 1 Peter chapter 1, and this may be close to all we do today. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 says, Knowing this, that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus was the spotless lamb, had no spot, had no blemish. He went, he paid the price. Something I'm going to take from, from my good friend Keith Hershey. I've heard Keith say this many times. He said in the Old Testament, when they brought the lamb before the priest for the sacrifice, you know who they looked at? They looked at the lamb. They didn't look at the person bringing the lamb. Many times we go before God and we have our eyes on us and all the reasons we don't measure up. It's not the way it's supposed to be, folks. The, the vision the eyes get cast onto Jesus, and he was the spotless lamb. He is spotless. He is without blemish. And when we go before the throne of God, it's not because we're spotless. It's because Jesus paid the price for us. He did it with his own blood, his own blood. It, Peter calls it the precious blood. And, and it, he, he established a, a blood covenant between us and God. A blood covenant. You know, we don't even realize the power there is in a blood covenant. Our minds are so westernized and so tainted by the culture of the day that we just don't even grasp what a blood covenant was. You know, I'd want to say it's like a marriage, but marriages, you know, are disposable. People get divorced all the time. Marriages, in some cases, don't have any more power than an alliance on Survivor. They're here today and gone tomorrow. It's true. This isn't like a flippant thing. This is like an eternal thing that Jesus paid the price for. His blood speaks over you today. When we talk about the blood of Jesus, and I say this all the time, that Dana is a blood slinger, okay? She's always slinging the blood, you know. And, and uh, I remember when the band, when S Pastor Stephen and Kara used to have the band Linden, and they'd go on a tour, and they'd pack up our old, our old uh, 98 Ford uh, Expedition. That's what we had, an old Ford. We called him Eddie. 
you know, do you name your cars? We named that car. We named him Eddie. And we'd pack him up with all kinds of treats and snacks and uh, cliff bars and things like that, which they have not eaten a cliff bar since because they ate so many of them on tour. But before they could leave our driveway, we went and we prayed for them. And, you know, I got to say, some of these guys back then, like, like this guy here, he, he wasn't exactly tuned in to the God channel. And, you know, I tried to be respectful, you know, and tried to go out there and pray. Dana, though, you know, all restraint is gone. I plead the blood over those kids. They'd walk away for the next five miles just saying, what was Dana talking about? Pleading blood over us. Well, I'll tell you what, it makes a difference. When you do that, all you're doing is you're saying, I have a covenant with the Most High God. Jesus spilled his blood for me and you. We can stand before him now. We can stand in the place that he intended us to walk in, you know, since, since it all began. That's where we are today. We're talking about being bought back. We'll talk more about it. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.